right, come on, Go Church family. You feel good today? Let me hear you now. I love that. What a great looking room. So great to see everybody. Man, the Lord is here today. And I am so overwhelmed by his presence and also by your participation here. We've got a room full at our South Metro Atlantic campus, and it is a joy to see all of you. I want to say on behalf of my wife, Kimberly, and I, we love you so much and glad you're a part of what God is doing at Go Church. I also want to look at the cameras in the back of the room and greet our West Side Atlantic campus. They meet on the amazing property of City of Refuge there on the West Side of Atlanta. And then also our Germantown, Maryland campus in Montgomery County, Maryland. Uh, this location here, we broadcast or live stream the message part of our gatherings. And so we say good morning to our campuses and everybody watching online as well. So from one campus to the other, can we put our hands together, welcome each other, bless each other, say good morning, come on. It's good. And then uh, if you've been a part of any Sunday in the past, you know that we have a weekly tradition here at Go Church that before we get into the word, we always pause to give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military, those that are active duty or, or veteran military, and also the brave men and women that serve as first responders. So if you are uh, EMT, paramedic, firefighter, police officer, uh, we just wanna say thank you so much. So if you'll do this at every campus, if you serve in the military or you're a first responder, I want you to put your hand up and then I want the room to go crazy for you and give you a little bit of appreciation. Come on, can we do that church family? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep your hands up, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, a little bit louder here. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. God bless you, and we thank God for you, and you make us better. So we pray for you, and we honor you today. And one quick announcement. Today, we begin groups sign-ups at all of our campuses. So the directory for your campus is available online today. And then at the end of this message, at every campus lobby, you can walk out into the lobby. Some of our groups have uh, made the decision to set up a table and promote their group so you can see a little bit about what that group is you know, gonna, gonna be made up of, who's leading it, where it's gonna be, the curriculum if they're using that, etc. So I want you today at the end of the message to make sure you linger in the lobby for just a little bit longer, check out all the groups that are, that are on display. And then if you wanna go online or on the app, you can do that. There's a filter process that you can select your specific campus and all of the groups at your campus will pop up so you can see which group to be a part of. You got a few weeks to sign up for your group, however, a lot of groups will close fast because signups will happen fast. So here's a saying for you, ready? Don't delay, sign up today. Come on now. Was a poet, didn't know it. So I want you to sign up for a group today. It's gonna be great and we'll be better because of it. And then of course you came for a word today. We're in the final week, week number 10 of our summer school series. We've been studying the book of Proverbs together. Have you enjoyed this series? Come on, this has been life changing, 10 weeks. We've been studying the book of Proverbs. I'm going to give you more about that here in just a moment. But I want to redeem the time. Uh, if you'll do this while I'm praying, if you'll slide in a little bit, if you've got a seat near you so that those that are still coming in can find a good seat. But I also want you to prepare to take notes today and prepare your heart. So every campus, everybody online, if you'll bow your head for a moment here, let's make sure that our minds are set, our hearts are set, our ears and spiritual eyes are open to receive what the Holy Spirit would have for us today. Let's take 10 seconds here. That's kind of a moment of, of meditation, if you will. Invite the Holy Spirit in. Speak against distraction. And then I'll pray for us after 10 seconds. Come on, let's pray.
Lord, one of the greatest prayers that I know to pray is the prayer of just worship and adoration to you. I just want to lift you up today. You tell us in your word that if we lift you up, you'll draw all people to you. And so today, through our worship and our time together and through generosity and through this message and through ministry and kids and ministry across our campuses. I just want you to get the glory. It is not my heart, and I pray this often publicly and privately, but it is not my heart to be a famous pastor or to have celebrity status as a church or preacher. God, I just want to be a humble servant that's willing to be used and anointed by you. Our worship team at all of our campuses, they're not pop stars, they're worship leaders. And what we do is lifting up the Most High, Jesus Christ, inviting you into this space and this time to do a transformational work in us and through us. So today I pray for a rich anointing. That anointing is already here, but I pray for a rich anointing that you would let every word of my mouth and every beat of my heart be pleasing to you and that you would also anoint your people as they listen to this message today I thank you that your word never returns void so I pray that this message would go right to their heart penetrating to their heart Lord cutting away the areas that need to be cut away and putting together the pieces that feel broken so we give you thanks for this moment and we ask you now Holy Spirit to speak in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost and the whole church said amen and amen. Can we lift up the name of Jesus together? Come on, church family, let's do it well. Oh, come on, somebody shout with a spirit of thanksgiving. There you go. All right, let's jump into week number 10 together. I'm, I'm going to spend just a few moments quickly recapping a little bit of the introduction here in week number one. And then today we get to finish out the book of Proverbs and the final chapter of Proverbs, which is Proverbs 31. But I want to go back for just a few moments here because it's been a long 10 weeks with some dynamic messages and some communicators in the month of July. And I just want to remind us a little bit about the purpose and the power of the book of Proverbs. And we'll start with this, that the book of Proverbs is considered to be a poetry book and also a book of wisdom literature. Now you know this, but poetry is literature that evokes, you know, emotion and imagination, Wisdom literature is a type of literature that was really well recognized in ancient times, especially in Bible times, as a way to describe how the world works, how the world works, how life happens, in a way that you and I can tap into that wisdom so that hopefully we can live well in this world or eventually look back and say we've had a good life. That's all of our desires, right? We want to live well. We want to have a good life. There are three wisdom literature books in your Bible, the book of Job, the book of Proverbs, which we're studying for these 10 weeks, and the book of Ecclesiastes. Those are known as wisdom literature. Those three books are also a part of the poetry books. There are five poetry books, those three books, plus the book of Psalms and Song of Solomon. So as we're studying the book of Proverbs, we know that wisdom literature books like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job, all three of those books, they all kind of focus on this particular thought. What kind of world are we living in, and how can we live well in that world? How can we live well in that world? So Proverbs specifically then 
teaches us this. And remember, while there are promises in the book of Proverbs, not every verse in Proverbs is a promise. Um, it's just a proverb that says, it's instruction, that there is this invisible force. And this invisible force can guide you towards a good life. So, for example, that invisible force is known as wisdom, or the Hebrew word is chokmah. Now, if you lean into the wisdom of God, here's what Proverbs teaches and, and really the other wisdom literature books, that if you lean into the wisdom of God, God's wisdom will help you make good decisions, and through your good decisions, ultimately, you should have a good life. Now, there are times that life just happens and life can be a challenge, but ultimately, leaning into the wisdom of God allows you to live a good life. And again, all of us want to live a good life. So if we lean into the chokmah of God, the wisdom of God, we live a good life because we make good decisions. But if you fight against the wisdom of God and you lean on your own wisdom and your own knowledge and your own intellect, at some point you're going to make a dumb decision. By a show of hands, anybody ever made a dumb decision before? Come on, that's everybody. All of us have made bad decisions. And almost every time that we make a bad decision, it is because we went against the wisdom of God and we leaned on our own wisdom. We leaned on our own knowledge and our own understanding. Look at somebody and say, you shouldn't do that because you're a moron. Go ahead and tell them. I think that's a good place to remind them of that. All right? So again, if you're leaning into the wisdom of God, you'll make good decisions. Because God, through his Holy Spirit, will guide you and convict you in that way. And, and this wisdom is not an impersonal force. This is a character or an attribute of God himself. This wisdom is intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit where you can have a sense of conviction to make wise choices, to make good choices. If you're with me, everybody say, I'm with you. So today, we get to finish the whole series of the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. All right, chapter 31. Many of you know these, uh, you know, 22 verses here, beginning in verse number 10. It's about a woman of noble character or a wife of of noble character. I'm going to read to you these 22 verses, but I'll, I'll skip a few just for time and then just for the consistency of the reading here. But if you've got your Bible, I want you to go there, your smartphone, or if you've got Bible in hand, go to Proverbs chapter 31. Let's start in verse number 10, and this will be the conclusion of the summer school series on the book of Proverbs. Watch this. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is far more precious than rubies. I won't stop and exegete every verse here, but I do want to stop right here and say to every married man who has outpunted their coverage, come on somebody, you married up, this is a great place to say amen. So I'm going to read it again, and then all you married men, I'm going to give you a chance here to just, uh, you know, get a few brownie points, because some of y'all really need that. All right, ready? Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is far more precious than rubies. Come on, guys. Amen to that. It's actually a little weak, I ain't going to lie. Her husband can trust her. She will greatly enrich his life. Verse 12, she brings him good, not harm. She gets up before the dawn and prepares breakfast for her household. She plans the day's work for her servant girls. Let's go to verse 17. She's energetic and she's strong. She's a hard worker. She makes sure that her dealings are profitable and her lamp burns late into the night. So she wakes up early to prepare the house and she stays up late 
watching over her family. Look here in verse 20. She extends a helping hand to the poor and she opens her arms to the needy. So uh, a, a virtuous woman is very generous. She goes above and beyond and she cares for the needs of the other, of others. She has no fear of winter for her household because everybody is going to have warm clothes. Verse 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity. Every time I read this uh, verse 25 here, the second half, it always just, it always grips me in a certain way. But watch this. And she laughs without fear of the future. Now, a lot of you are going through a lot of things. I'm going to look right here for just a moment. I want to tell you that you can laugh without fear of the future because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I want to tell you, whatever you're walking through today, ladies, that this isn't like a ha-ha kind of laugh. This is like, you know what? I'm not in control. God is in control. God has taken care of me. Come on, somebody testify to that. He's taken care of me. So instead of worrying and being frustrated and griping and complaining, I'm just going to laugh a little bit. I'll laugh in the face of the enemy because I don't fear the future because I know who holds tomorrow. Come on, do you believe that? When she speaks, you got that, right? When she speaks, her words are, somebody say wise. And she gives instructions with kindness. Verse 27, she carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children rise and call her blessed. Her husband praises her. There are many women who do wonderful, capable things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be greatly praised. Verse 31, the final verse in Proverbs 31. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise. Can we thank God for his word today? Come on. Powerful. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you, and if you'll give me about 20 minutes here, I'll give you three things from Proverbs 31 that you may not know. Three things from Proverbs 31 that you may or may not know, but I want to teach you some things today if you'll allow me to do that, all right? The first two will move through pretty quickly. The third one will sit on for the remainder of our time. The first thing I want you to know about Proverbs 31 is that verses 10 through 31 are actually a poem. It's a poem. And in these verses, this poem is written acrostically using the original language, which was the, 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 the Hebrew language. The writer, all 22 lines of this acrostic poem would start with the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet and then work acrostically and in succession all the way down. So this is the entire Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31, is a poem using the Hebrew alphabet acrostically. Isn't that awesome? Something else about this poem that you really need to know is that this is not to be interpreted prescriptively. So what do I mean by that? This is not a job description for a woman. And I think a lot of times men will use this as a job description. Like you saw where it says you got to get up early and make me biscuits and sausage. Uh, let's get in that. It's not a job description for women. It is actually a poem of praise. It's a poem of praise that any time a 
virtuous and capable, a noble woman, was caught in the act of living out the chokmah of God, the wisdom of God, this poem would then be spoken or sung over the woman to acknowledge them for the wisdom that they demonstrated. So this poem is really about celebrating not just women in action, but women who operate in wisdom and put that wisdom in action and places that godly wisdom in every single area of her life, using the wisdom of God in her home, in her marriage, in her family, and in her community. So the second thing that you may not know about Proverbs 31, the first one is it's actually a poem. The second one is, is that the target audience is for the men. It's not even targeted for the women, but it's targeted specifically to the men. And in the Jewish culture, in the Dr Jewish tradition rather, it would be the men who memorize Proverbs 31, not the women. And any time that the man of the house would catch a woman in his heart doing the things of God, living out the wisdom of God, whether that be his wife, his mother, his daughters, or his sisters, he would sing this poem to praise her. He would sing this to celebrate her. He would recite this to honor her because she's living out the wisdom that God put in her. Isn't that good? Come on. There's actually a little instructive language here that, that teaches us that. And it's the very last verse, and I don't want you to miss it. It's Proverbs 31, 31. And you'll see the instruction here for the men to speak this or sing this over the women in his life. And the proverb says, honor her for all that her hands have done and praise her. So if that verse goes on, it says, praise her at the city gates. Meaning, you should honor her for living out godly wisdom and then praise her publicly. Let me get on a soapbox for about 30 seconds here. One of the great frustrations or pet peeves that I have is when a man will degrade his wife publicly. When he speaks negatively about her in front of people, especially their children. Come on. Now, we're all going to have moments where we disagree with one another. But the Bible instructs the men through this particular proverb that you should honor her for the works that she has done and you should praise her publicly. And you should also sleep with one eye open if you're going to construct her critically in public places. Can I get an amen? Come on, somebody. So those are two things that you may not know about the book of Proverbs is that it's actually a poem using the Hebrew alphabet acrostically and in succession and the target audience for Proverbs 31 is the men, that we should memorize it and learn it. And when we catch our women using godly wisdom in home, in marriage, in job, in community, we should praise them. And this is not a job description. The writer of Proverbs here, and I want you ladies to know, is not saying that you should get married, have kids, and learn to sew and cook. Now, if those are qualities that you have or that's the tradition of your home, that's fine. But at the same time, this particular proverb is not devaluing women. It's actually elevating women and saying when you catch them living out wisdom, man, honor them and praise them. All right, the third thing you may not know about this particular proverb, and this is the one that I really want to unpack for the next few minutes here, 
is that Proverbs 31 was not written by King Solomon. Almost every other proverb, I think there's only two proverbs of the 31 proverbs uh, that weren't written by Solomon. So King Solomon wrote the majority of the proverbs here. But Proverbs 31 was not written by Solomon. It was actually written by King Lemuel or King Lemuel. And I know what you're thinking, and you probably think this every Sunday. Pastor JC, how do you know all this? You are so smart. It's just unbelievable how intelligent you are. Well, I'd like to take credit for like some God-given divine revelation about this, which he did because this is in the very first verse. The very first verse of Proverbs 31. It's just amazing what you learn when you read. Can I get an amen from somebody? I know you're like, man, he is just so smart. Or I just read. Come on. Proverbs 31, the very first verse says this. These are the sayings of King Lemuel. So that would mean these are not the words of Solomon. Now, Lemuel was a non-Israelite king. And Proverbs 31, watch this. King Lemuel is regurgitating all of the instructions that he heard in his upbringing, in his childhood, from his mother. You remember earlier we talked about a proverb that if you train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. So King Lemuel, in all of Proverbs 31, is just regurgitating a lot of insights and inspired utterances that he remembered his mama telling him when he was growing up. Again, you're thinking, how do you know that? Well, it's still in the first verse. So these are the sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Do you see that? Now watch what happens. Over the next nine verses, and I'll read them to you, King Lemuel's mama is setting a standard of personal purity and holiness for her son. Now I don't know if she knows that he's going to be king or not, but I do believe that she looks at her son and she says, there is more on the inside of you. And so because there's more on the inside of you, Lemuel, I want you to never go with the cultural current. Never go with the cultural norms. You're different. You're called. You're chosen for such a time as this. And for me, I can hear the words of my mama. Come on, how many of you got a praying mama, praying grandmama that would speak these types of words over you saying, you may not see what's inside of you, but I know what's inside of you because God showed me what's inside of you. And if you'll just stay on the straight and narrow, and if you'll lean into the wisdom of God, and if you'll lean into the wisdom of your mama, God will take you places no eye has seen, no ear is. I feel like preaching now. Come on. No mind can know. But you, you've got to lean into the wisdom. Don't be like the rest of the world. You're different. You're called. You're chosen. And so Lemuel just begins to write these inspired utterances that his mama taught him. And let me say to every young, young kid in the room, whatever campus you're part of, every teenager, I know that as you mature and as you go through different seasons of adolescence and puberty and maturity, that there may be moments that you find yourself really frustrated at, at the parenting of your mom and dad or whoever is raising you. But there will come a time where you will thank God 
for the morals and the standards and the ethics and the values and the structure of your home. Can I get an amen from every parent and grandparent? So, so kids, listen to me. Even when it gets frustrating, maybe, maybe there is some hokmah there. My life experiences like, because your parents, I know you feel like they're ancient and old, but they used to be your age too. Come on now. Maybe by life experiences or by just conviction from God, they want you to avoid the traps and the pitfalls and the temptations of this world. There is a real devil. There is a real enemy. And he's seeking whom he may devour. But if you lean into the wisdom of those who love you and ultimately the wisdom that comes from God himself, you can stay on the straight and narrow and I believe that when you do that, God can promote you. Can I get somebody to receive that today? God will bless you exceedingly, abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Look at verse 2. Listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son. You are the answer to my prayers. Don't spend your strength on women. Don't spend your vigor on those who ruin kings. Watch verse number four here. It is not for kings, Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine. It's not for rulers to crave beer. Lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Verse number six. Let beer be for those who are perishing and wine for those who are in anguish, verse 7, let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Two more verses. Speak up, Lemuel, for those who can't speak for themselves. Do you see how she is saying to her son, there's more inside of you. So I'm going to give you some wisdom here that will allow you to be a, a leader of leaders. And not just a leader of leaders, but a leader of great convictions and a leader of great ethics and a leader of great morals, and a leader of great wisdom. And she says, here, listen, speak up for those that can't speak for themselves. Speak up for the rights of all of those who are destitute. And speak up and judge fairly and defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Verse number four, there were these five words here. I want to say it to you, and then I want you to repeat it on the count of three. It is not for kings. You ready? One, two, three. It is not. Now, what you just read in those first nine verses of Proverbs 31 is far more than just women, wine, and whiskey. There's a lot more than just women, wine, and whiskey. Although, could we talk about those three for a minute? Thank you to the one person that said, go ahead. <laughs> there is this destructive behavior that the enemy always wants to lure men with when it comes to women and alcohol. I told you a moment ago that there is this great enemy out there and, and he wants to see kings fall. And you can, you can in, in synonymous with alcohol, you could put any type of substance abuse there. And he wants to put something in their life that will become a, a stronghold and an addiction so that they fall and fail versus overcoming and succeeding. And I see this all the time. I can't tell you how many times in, in counseling, either pastoral counseling or through life back counseling, 
which is a part of the ministry here at Go Church, we see marriages destroyed because of affairs. That men position themselves in some way or the other to start friendly conversations with someone of the opposite sex or, or maybe in the same sex. And they position themselves to have these conversations and what was once seemingly very innocent has now turned into attraction and motivation and now strategy to meet up. Let me just say this to you. You can like what I'm about to say or you can not like what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. If you are married, come on somebody, you should not be texting the opposite sex unless it's a group text. You shouldn't be going to lunch with a coworker if it's a, someone of the opposite sex. You shouldn't be going to the gym because you know she's going to be there and her little Lululemons. Ain't nobody got time for that. Listen to me. It is not for kings. It's not for kings. God has chosen you. God has equipped you for greatness. And the enemy wants to destroy you. And I know you think, it'll never happen to me. And if that is your first thought, you are on the eclipse of disaster. Because we become numb if we're not careful to the way that the enemy just begins to weave sin into our lives. I'm just telling you right now, Kimberly and I have a lot of accountability in our marriage and in our relationship. Because I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to fall. I don't ever want to fail. Next month we're going to celebrate 18 years of being married. Come on. And I know you're clapping for her. You're like, thank God she put up with you. Bless her, Lord. You know how many years we want to be married? Forever. Now, I got a goal of 50 years, though. Like, I don't want to die till we get 50 years. And then when we get 50 years, I'll just, and I'm gone. But I want to get to 50 years together. And that means, that means that I've got to make decisions as a king. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As a king to make it to 50 years and beyond. So I'm not going to lunch with another lady unless Kimberly's there. Can I get an amen? A few months ago, and my assistant, she'd tell you this. We got an email from a lady. She said, I'd like to take Pastor JC to lunch. And my assistant said, he ain't going to go. <laughs> now, I did go to lunch with her, and Kimberly came. I'm not doing that. Uh, <laughs> I told Kimberly that at the beginning of August, that I wanted to go back to the gym, that I needed to work out, you know, because I know you don't realize, but there was a little bit of a dad bod going on. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I told her, I said, I want to go back to the gym. And she said, okay, what gym are you thinking? Who's going to be there? Who will you be working out with? What are you going to be wearing? What time will you be home? I was like, I was like Kimberly, you ain't got nothing to worry about. I mean, <laughs> stop. Quit. I mean, Okay. And I told her, I was like, well, I want to go to this particular gym at this particular time. And this is what she said. You may not understand this, but I don't have a piece about that gym at that time. I was like, I don't understand. You just want me to be fat and happy? <laughs> she said, I'd rather you be fat than cheat on me. So I went to another gym at another time. Because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> I got to hurry, I got to hurry. Just be careful, guys. It's not for kings. And then whatever your conviction is around alcohol and alcohol consumption. So let's just, let's just put this here. I, this is what I hear all the time. Jesus drank wine. 
okay, sure, but you ain't Jesus. I get that, but you ain't Jesus. And I hear this all the time. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that having a glass of wine is a sin. You are exactly right. But over and over and over, we see that drunkenness is a sin. So you drinking, you drinking and drinking and drinking until you're drunk, that is a sin. We'll go back and forth with Scripture all day, every day on that one, all right? But what I don't understand is the need for alcohol, the need for it, or any other substance. And what happens is, is that that initial taste of it can, and you may not even know what you're opening yourself up to, but it can become an addiction. Now, in my house, we don't social drink. Not because I think one glass of wine is going to send you to hell. No, I don't believe that. But alcoholism is a generational curse on the worldly family. So I don't want anything to do with it. So I don't drink. I don't tell you to drink. And listen, the older I've gotten in the Lord, the more I've learned that if God gives me intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost can do for me what Budweiser can't. So I hear, hold on, let me say, hang on. What I hear people say is, well, I just like to have a glass of wine at night because it helps me, like, decompress from this stressful day. Point taken. But God didn't give us God the Father, God the Son, and God the spirits. He gave us the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11. And the same spirit, the same power that raised Jesus up from the dead, lives on the inside of you. So you can have your wine if you need to, but it ain't going to help you overcome stress like Jesus can, like the Holy Spirit can. And what happens is, and I see it all the time, watch this, last thing I'll say, and I'll give you the rest of my sermon. I have never heard one story, one positive story about the benefits of drinking. Never. I've been in ministry 20-something years. Nobody has ever come in my office and said, listen, I was about to lose my marriage. And then I started drinking and everything turned around. <laughs> and I've never heard that. Man, my business was about to crumble, but then I met two friends, Jack Daniels and the whole company. No, you know what I hear time and time again? I started drinking. I started drinking and things went downhill from there. Or again, whatever the, the vice is that the enemy would use. All I'm saying to you is this. You have your convictions. Your convictions are not my convictions. My convictions are not your convictions. But I do know what Lemuel's mama said. It ain't for kings, boy. Watch out for women and watch out for whiskey because it ain't for kings. Let me ask you this question. My friend Kyle Jackson asked this question a few weeks ago, and it got me thinking about this message. What's become a normal routine in just your everyday life, but it's actually a barrier to your spiritual growth? Get off the wine and women for a minute. Just that show on Netflix you've been binge watching. The music you listen to when you work out. Strolling through Instagram, but lingering on his photo or her photo a little too long, looking at websites like www.ishouldn'tbelookingatthis.com. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Maybe it's your speech. So like around the office you cuss a lot or you're very hateful in your responses or maybe you say racial slurs and you don't even realize it. It's just become normal. 
but those things are actually a barrier. It's not for kings, and it ain't for queens either, by the way. Let me tell you this. I'm speaking this over everybody. You were never meant to be normal. You were made to be royal. Come on now. You weren't meant to be normal. Let me look at the guys from a better way. I love you guys being here on Sundays. You weren't, you weren't meant to be normal. God made you to be royal. And that's why the fight of the enemy is so strong over you. And that's why the enemy is attacking so many of you at the level of intensity that he is. is because he knows that you're a part of a royal bloodline. 1 Peter 2.9 says this. But you are a chosen people. Look at somebody and say, I'm chosen. But you are royal. Look at the other person and say, I'm royal. Tell them, say, I'm holy. That means I'm set apart. And now tell them, say, and I'm special. You didn't do it, did you? You just kind of mummed it. Now look at them and say, then act like it. Act like it. You'll hear people outside of the Christian faith, whenever you really try to live a life holy, set apart, above reproach, the Bible says, be holy because I am holy. So you'll hear people outside of, of the church say, oh, you're just trying to be holier than thou. I'd rather try to be holier than thou than act like y'all. I'd rather try to be more like God than run like you fools. So call, call me whatever you want to call me. But remember, you is talking to a king. And God's hand is on my life. I feel like preaching straight to the devil right now. God's calling is on my life. God's anointing is on my life. God's purpose is on my life. And it is not for kings. Now, I hope you like a little old school preaching today because you're getting it. Watch this. And as you stay humble before the Lord, but you recognize your true identity in Christ, it is God who will promote you. But I need you to hear this. Royal families don't get to act normal. Royal families don't act like common folk. There's a different set of expectations and rules. Um, I'm a uh, picture, graph kind of guy when I read, so this helps me right here. This is what I want you to see. The higher you go in your influence, in your platform, in your anointing, in your position, the, the higher you go, the less rights and options you get, not more. So the higher that God promotes you and elevates you, you don't get to do more things, you actually get to do less things. Now I'll give you one real-time example. I'm not any better than any of you. We are all sons and daughters of God. But God has elevated my influence to that of a lead pastor, a shepherd of a flock. So that means... That as the shepherd of Go Church, I get less rights and options than somebody that's not on this platform every Sunday. So when people get to do whatever they want to do, if I did that, y'all be like, I ain't going to that church. He's a hypocrite. It's hypocrisy. He says one thing and then does another thing. So the higher that God takes me, the less rights and options I have, not more. So listen, if you're pursuing a relationship with God because you just want to, like, get free grace and get free mercy, I don't know what to tell you. All I know is, is that the higher I go in the things of God, the greater my convictions become. 
And the things that I used to be content doing in my life, now I feel great conviction about because, man, it's not for kings. And this is what Lemuel's mama was saying. It is not for kings. Live a life above reproach. Live a life of holiness and godliness and right standard. And this means, listen to me, it means you have to cut some people out of your life. And be careful who you let in. But it is not for kings. Let me ask you this question and we'll be done. Watch. What are you willing to give up in order to go up? Man, the Lord, uh, the Lord put this question in my heart a few years ago. I actually asked this question. I showed this chart. And I asked this question to our team uh, before the pandemic in 2019. And when the Lord asked me this question, man, there was just great conviction about just areas of my life. And it wasn't like these big sins, you know, like I'm out cheating on Kimberly, come on, right? I haven't had a drink in over 20 years. You should say amen to that's a big deal. I mean, alcohol has destroyed my family. But like I felt like, man, I just, I, I want God's favor. I want God's blessing. I just want God's anointing on my life. And he's like, all right, what are you, you going to give up then? And for me, it was just like there was this one comedian on Netflix that I loved. And he's funny. But a lot of his content had bad language. And I, it, was, it just wasn't even a thing for me. It's just like, man, but it's funny. And I remember the Lord saying so vividly, will you stop watching his comedy routine for the rest of your life? I was like, man, but... Lord, he's funny, and you made him funny. And I remember then, and again, I'm not saying I'm better than you, I, and I'm not saying my convictions are the same as yours. I was like, Lord, if all I got to do is give up that to go up in you, I'm done with it. Done with it. And I went through a series of what we would call pruning in my life, just areas in my life. And I just heard the Lord say, it's not for kings, it's not for kings. It's not for kings. Now, I got my areas that I struggle with just like you. I still get frustrated at people that don't know how to drive. Can I get 100 people to say amen to that? Come on. And I told the Lord the other day on the interstate, I said, I'll give them up. Come on, somebody. I'll give them, take them on. There's still areas in my life that I'm working through, but it is not for kings. Let me give you this verse, and I'll pray for you. 1 Thessalonians, I know we're in the book of Proverbs, but all of this ties together with personal purity and holiness. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul and one of his earliest letters to the church at Thessalonica. And he says, you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Uh, verse number three, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. If you're taking notes, write that word down. Sanctified or sanctification is the process to holiness. So it's just a process. It's a journey. It's a cutting away of the old stuff. So you may not be who you want to be, but if you look back, you should say, well, I'm not who I used to be because I'm on a process of sanctification. Does that make sense? That you should avoid, here it is, sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the people that don't even know God. Listen to me, you know God. So you know right from wrong. And in this matter, watch, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. 
have high morals in your business affairs and the way that you treat one another. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. Two more verses. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a what kind of life? To live a holy life. It's not for kings. God called you to live a holy life. So what are you going to give up in order to go up? Therefore, and watch, and I'll tie it into the book of Proverbs and Lord, I'm not trying to take this out of context at all. But therefore, anyone who rejects the wisdom of God, if you reject the wisdom of God, right? The very God who gives his Holy Spirit in you, you can't be surprised at the outcome of your life. If you reject his wisdom and you reject his conviction, you can't be surprised. But man, if you'll just lean into the Holy Spirit, you'll lean into the wisdom of God, God can save you, deliver you, set you free, sanctify you. And then look at me real quick and I'll pray for you. <laughs> oh man. Okay. If God can use JC. If God can use me, I'm telling you, as sure as you're sitting there, listen to me. God can use you. God can use you. If God can deliver me and set me free, God can deliver you and he can set you free. I know you may feel hopeless and you may feel like there is no way out, but look at me real quick. Whom the Son set free is free indeed. And thank God I'm free today. Thank God I'm free. And the moment that you just lean into God and he begins to free you from all of the things that the enemy attached to you, man, God will take you places you never thought possible. Let me pray for you today. Here's the questions. Man, what the Holy Spirit speak to your heart? And what's that next step in your faith journey? Every head bowed at every campus. Come on, every head bowed. Come on, Jesus, do a great work now. Do a great work now, a great work now. 30 seconds here before we transition. I want you to ask God, ask God, what is that one area in my life that's just become normal? It's just normal. But now I see it as a barrier. And Lord, today I'm willing to give it up. I may need help. I may need accountability. I may need conversation. I may need great conviction. I may need counseling. I may need the word. Come on. But I'm willing to give it up if that means I get more of you, more of your glory, more of your anointing, more of your blessing, more of your favor. You ready? 30 seconds, and then we'll pray. Come on. Ask the Lord, what is it? What's that one area? What's normal? It's just normal. Man, today, Lord, reveal that it's a barrier. Come on, 15 more seconds. Show us, God. Show us. I want to give it to you today, Jesus. Lord, you know every person's heart right here, right now. And whatever it is that you've convicted them with, we give it to you. We ask that your beautiful will be done. And we know that your will for their life is a life of purity and sanctification and holiness. So help us today as we lay things down and we pick up the responsibility of what it means to be a chosen people, a called people, a special people. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Were you blessed by the word today? Come on, church.